Hello and welcome to the Sandro Forte podcast. Over the many years I've been running a business, I've met many, many successful people, entrepreneurs, sports stars, celebrities, and dare I say, even royalty. So what makes a person successful? Do we know what success is? And the all important question, can we create success for ourselves? This podcast series invites a diverse group of people to share their insights, their wisdom, and the things they've learned along the way. Charles Marcus is a motivational and business speaker and a best-selling author with translations of his book in 27 languages. Originally from the UK, he's now based in Toronto, Canada, but he delivers his messages to audiences worldwide and has been recognised as one of the top 60 motivational speakers in the world. Charles suffered with a severe stutter for 25 years, which he overcame with great determination. This, along with his stories of award-winning success in the world of sales and his life experiences as an entrepreneur, are at the heart of his inspirational speaking, with which he aims to help people face the challenges in their life, become more confident and develop the right mindset to achieve success, just as he has done. You can hear his passion for what he does shine through in his mission statement, which is to help organisations and their people go deep, be exceptional and get to world class. That is quite a mission statement, Charles Marcus. (laughs) Well, thank you, Sandro, and thank you for the great introduction and fantastic to uh, have this opportunity with you and your viewers today. You are a very busy man. I've followed your career with great interest, obviously as a fellow Brit who's found his way and built a great and successful life for himself in another country. Um, I I, I think it would be fair to say we've we've become friends without actually really knowing each other that well, just because we've tried to do this for such a long time. I think that's right, Sandro. And hopefully this year um, we'll be able to meet in the UK or somewhere else face to face out for a drink or for dinner. That would be wonderful. Absolutely. Uh, So for those listening, and and there's a great many of them, Charles, I'll tell you, uh, for those listening, I I need you to know that uh, this this gentleman, Charles, who I've gotten to know pretty well, last time we were going to do this this uh, this interview, this podcast, uh, he got whisked off to Australia literally at the last minute. That's how busy he is. So it's a real honour and privilege to have you on the Sandro Forte podcast, Charles. And thank you for finding the time in in what I know is an exceptionally busy schedule. And uh, for those listening, you are in for a real treat because this is this is one heck of a story. So with your permission, Charles, if I may, I'm just going to kind of dive in uh, and, yeah. and, and have a chat with you much as we would if we were having a pint of beer down the local. Sound good. Great stuff. A pint of Guinness would be good. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Man after my own heart. So, um, Charles, I, I have to start with this. What? <clears throat> tell me about the impact of having a stutter uh, you know, because many years ago, stutters, and I, I think they're still very challenging for many, many people. But I, I guess, you know, 25 plus 30 years ago, particularly challenging for someone so young. So what what was it? Well, first of all, tell us about Charles Marcus, the man, where it all started, where you grew up. And then I'd like to really just explore the unique challenges that you faced with, with you know, a, a debilitating condition. Sounds great. And uh, firstly, it's my honor, Sandro, to have the opportunity today as well. But I thank you for your kind words. So I grew up in 
in Manchester and, you know, just a normal sort of childhood up to the age of four, I guess, you know, four and a half. Um, I can't remember much. And then my parents took me out for a day in the the forest. It was a forest in between um, Manchester and Blackpool. And uh, somehow I got separated from my parents in this big forest for about, uh, I guess, 14 hours, they told me afterwards. Nobody could find me. You're talking of the late 50s here, so, you know, not very sophisticated. And, you know, I guess that was where my story and journey started. I heard afterwards, you know, that the rescuers found me about four o'clock in the morning in this big forest, you know, I was clinging to a tree, shaking with fear, you know, and I guess over a few days, a few weeks from, I don't know, you know, a loss of, you know, scared fear, I started to slowly, I guess, to um, start to stammer, as we would say, sort of in the UK. And, you know, my life, I guess, uh, sort of changed and because I was so young at the time you know it was hard for me to sort of see the, you know the changes that were happening and of course even at that age four and a half five uh, children uh, can be very cruel as we know you know so I guess that was the little start of my adventure. Wow what uh, I mean it's it's um profound and uh uh well just i mean i don't i've never heard a story like that before to to have experienced such a an incredible trauma at such a young age and the and the psychological impact that that may have had so i suppose that that leads me to ask you charles you know how did you how did you cope or maybe you didn't but how did you cope with the the personal impact You, you talk about other children being cruel um you know, there were there were clearly profound issues that you had to face and deal with your self-confidence, low self-esteem and all the other things that go with it. How did you how did you cope with that in, in the early days? That's a great that's a good question. And, you know, I mean, school teachers have always been absolutely fantastic in general to me. But you've got to think of the late. 50s now we're talking early 60s as I'm going through school so today you know there's counsellors there's resources but in those days I mean I was in a class of maybe 35 40 kids you know and I think I sort of slipped through the cracks I would love to be able to tell you at that age I was resilient you know and I took it all in my stride however I've got to be honest to you and the viewers and I did not handle it very well at all I mean at the very young age it was sort of you know hard for me out to come to terms and as I started to get into adolescence um, I guess you know it was I just I just was very screwed up very angry 
Um, you know, the bullying, the laughing, the humiliation, you know, people sort of judging you on your speech, you know, instead of as a person. And, you know, for quite a number of years, I wasn't a very happy guy. I was pretty angry. I don't think I was a good human being. My parents tried their best, but my parents were very simple folks. And my father was, you know, that old school English upper stiff lip, don't show emotion, you know, and I think he found it very hard to handle it all. I, you know, I think he, you know, he was quite sort of it's embarrassed. So to answer your question in a nutshell, I'd like to tell you, I, you know, I had courage and things, but for many years, Sandro, I did not handle it very well at all. Well, I appreciate your candle. That's uh, that's refreshing and, and enlightening. So fast forward. I'm sure it's not the case that you woke up one morning and the stammer had gone. So how did you how did you overcome this particular and very, very difficult situation or condition that you found yourself having to deal with? Was it was there a process you went through? Did it start with a commitment? How did how did that all shape itself out yeah so so over the years i guess from the age of maybe sort of 11 or 12 you know i went to speech therapy and things and speech therapy is wonderful in the classroom but you have to have the courage to be able to go outside the classroom into real situations, you know, and use the techniques. So I, you know, I failed many times through speech therapy. You know, I drifted in and out. I mean, it was amazing how I was able to, to work, you know, have a job. I didn't have very much of a social life. I make a joke. I don't think I had a girlfriend until I was about 19 or 20. However, I made up for it. But But, um, if we fast forward, Sandro, I don't think I really, you know, I mean, I was at a pretty bad end in my early 30s running four businesses at the time as well and I always used to feel I could sort of cope I guess a a stammer a stutterer is like an alcoholic or a gambler and they feel it will it will happen mm. and you know um, sometimes it takes a real shock or bolt and i think in my early 30s i just couldn't handle it you know anymore and a twist of fate i was in my little apartment after work in in presswich a suburb in the north of manchester and i flipped on the television in those days it used to be a program on bbc one at eight o'clock on a thursday still remember the time and it was called qed mm. and it was sort of like you know it was sort of um science, inventions, extraordinary things. And as I flipped the television on, 
I saw this gentleman, and any of your viewers who have seen the King's speech um, will be aware of the gentleman who played the speech therapist out with the king. And I saw this very um, eccentric Scots person with like a tweed suit and a bow tie speaking. I could see he still had a bit of a stammer. I mean, a stammerer can always understand another a stammerer, mm. but he was taking eight really bad stutterers on a course in Kilcoddy, Scotland, outside of Edinburgh. And I tell you, Sandro, I think that was my, like, a moment that it was like, mm. and I was riveted. It was about 20 minutes, you know, the cameras were in and everything. And I saw these people, very unorthodox methods, but at the end of of the program, although they were speaking very slowly, they were speaking very fluently. Mm. And in those days, it was before email, anything. I did used to speak on the phone. You know, there was no information flash. So I wrote a letter to the BBC asking for information, waited about four weeks. I got a reply with this gentleman's information. I was not able to use the phone very well at that time because the phone was always a big fear for me. My father phoned for me and we made an appointment out to go on a course. It was very expensive in those days. And would you believe, Sandro, a few weeks before I chickened out? Can you believe that? <laughs> I chickened out thinking again I was able to, you know, to, you know, to handle it. And then things happened and it got really bad. And as I was self-employed, I got my father to phone again and asked if there were any cancellations. And January 17th, still remember the date, I went up to Kilcaddy, Scotland for the course, probably the biggest snowstorm in the history of <laughs> that part of Scotland <laughs> in those days. And, and you know, and... Um, Really, um, that I think it was eight days or ten days on the course. It was probably the hardest emotional uh, time for me. But that was the start of the catalyst of me finally. And there's no real cure for stammering, however you can control it. Mm. And I guess that was the start of my three years, you know, it took about three years out for me to find a level of speaking that I was comfortable with. Wow. And you are today a motivational speaker, travelling the world, sharing your story and, of course, all the lessons you've learned along the way with audiences, which is that is quite a remarkable journey and, and kudos to to what you've achieved. I'm going to just take you back to three words, four <coughs> words you used, Charles, a moment ago, yeah. where you talk about the phone being a big fear for you. And I'm going to use that as an analogy for the challenges that many of us face. You know, we preempt <coughs> outcomes. We concern <coughs> ourselves with whether somebody might say yes or say no. And although for you it was... Uh, the difficulty, the physical difficulty of using the phone, many of us fear outcomes. We fear 
uh, things for whatever reason and therefore we don't take action. No one is better equipped than you to give advice on what it takes to overcome fear. Where, where do you start if you, you do have an innate fear of something and, and are struggling to take any kind of action? Yes, a good question. I want to give you a quote I use uh, first. Fear is a reaction and courage is a decision. And, you know, I think um, sort of for me, I think that some of the techniques and strategies I used or learnt on the course, and I've got to give credit here to Mr. Bell, his name is Andrew Bell, and we're still in contact, actually, which is amazing. Mm. And... Um, what I learned, Sandro, with anything is, firstly, and it may seem a bit selfish and self-centered, but if you want to overcome anything, and, uh, and the technique on the course is you have to do it for yourself first. So as a Stammerer, we're always after pleasing people and making everybody feel good and trying to be accepted. And Mr. Bell, sort of, he taught us is for you to be accepted and to get over whatever you want to do. Firstly, you have to do it for yourself. Mm -hmm. Secondly, is to break it down. So I took these very small steps out. For me, it was the fear of speaking on the phone. It was the fear of ordering a meal in the restaurant. It was the fear of actually, although I stammered for many years, uh, uh, say, besides the people who used to laugh at me and all that. I mean, my family and friends, it was never mentioned. So for me, it was that fear of having to actually say to everybody, here's what I am doing. I've gone on a speech course out to get my act together and I need uh, support. So as far as the phone goes, if we take the phone as an analogy... So before I used the phone, I did my speech practices. I set myself up. I did my affirmations. I wrote down all the all the positive things of being able to use the phone, all the negative points. And slowly, I broke it down. I used to do three things a day I feared the most. And, you know, slowly over the time, as you get a bit of sort of traction and, and sort of momentum, I started to get the confidence, started to get hope, started to get more self-esteem, self-confidence. So I think if we're breaking it down, and as you say, everybody faces fears and challenges and situations. If I was to give any suggestions or advice, I would say, you know, to say to yourself, firstly, what's the worst thing that can happen? And if that's with a salesperson, it's a client or a customer saying, I'm busy, sorry, mm. 
Yes, I'm not interested. I think you have to get that self-confidence and awareness that I have something of value. I am a person, an important individual too. And to just break it down into little segments, small rewards, small... I always say failure, 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 success, failure, 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 success. And that's what I did, Sandro. I just, I just slowly, I broke it down. I had my rewards. I had my failures, if that makes sort of sense. Yeah, it does completely. Um, and again, thank you for being so, so honest. What um, I need to ask you, why Canada? Why move from Presswich to Canada? I mean, I probably know the answer to that. But was it yes. was there a particular opportunity in, in Canada for you? Or was it just a lifestyle choice? Uh, or was it a career choice? Yeah, that's another good question. So my parents split up when I was about 13. And my mother's side of the family, her mother, her brother, her uncles, everybody had emigrated from Manchester to Canada after the war. She was the only one who stayed behind to marry my dad. So we always had a connection through Canada. So I've lived in Canada three times in my life. And initially I went to 13, 14, was not a good uh, uh, time out to go, obviously with my speech. And I went again in my mid twenties for about four or five years. And, and then finally, after I was able out to get my speech together in about 1988, I sold up everything and I emigrated for the last time in 1990 out to start a new a career and a life and everything after having my speech together. So there was all there was always a connection through my family sort of in Canada and in several cities in Canada as well. I have to say, I'm all I'm hearing, not all I'm hearing, but the main thing I'm hearing is that Charles Marcus is pretty good at dealing with fear and uh, and and taking on those challenges, which is to your credit. So let's ask you now a little bit about your your mission statement, and that is that is quite a claim. So, how do you help Charles organisations become exceptional and world class? Because you know they're quite big, two quite big statements. So. What what is the what is it that you do with with organisations and indeed individuals to get the very best from them? So, firstly, Sandro, I find out straight away if there's a fit. If I could be of value, um, you know, I ask them about the things they are trying uh, to achieve, their problems, you know. Uh, how they see themselves in another year. And then I, I'll have a meeting out with the management uh, team and we'll see, are they looking out for a speaker for one event? Are they looking out for an ongoing process? Are they looking for training? Are they looking for either coaching or consulting out with myself and associates. It's all about, to me, Sandro, it's about listening, fit before fee, 
And if I am able out to be of value and to meet and exceed needs, objections, and results, that's, that's all my focus and also out to build a relationship out with them. And clearly you're using your, you know, your life experience, which you've already shared with us kindly, but also your experiences within sales. That's, you know, your background. And as an entrepreneur, which, of course, is, is what you're now doing every single day. So you're using those experiences to help inspire your audiences, grow your clients' businesses and, of course, the individuals that you work with uh, in terms of their own personal growth. And, and is, your, is your experience or are your experiences an important part of what you share with the, the people and organisations you work with? Yeah, it is interesting, Sandro, how things have evolved. Actually, I just celebrated on Monday 20 years in the business, in the speaking business, which is probably, as you know, it's probably an achievement in itself. It is. It's a a crazy, crazy business. So when I first started way back, of course, you know, I was a bit... I guess in in the naive basis, you know, and I thought, oh my golly, you know, I've got this story and I'm going to share with the world and yada, yada, yada. And I quickly found out is that, you know, everybody has a great story. You don't have to, you know, have to be a motivational speaker to have a great story. So I started to evolve. Obviously, I do probably today 60-70% sort of of my speeches are keynotes which would be 60 to 90 minutes but it's not about me it's customized to the clients and that's something else I think I've really focused on over the years I'm not the only one of course many of our speakers you know who customize but I really you know I spend about six to eight hours on the customization and I try out to use my story in the motivational talks only as a metaphor I always say um, as far as the audience are concerned it's not about what's important to me it's what's important to the audience but I've involved over the years out to do sort of training and workshops on on either leadership customer service change innovation so I I have you know had to evolve as a professional speaker sort of over the years as I think the model I had originally sort of speech to speech to speech to speech unless you're a celebrity or you're somebody famous it's not uh, sustainable and also I'm a person I love out to, out to challenge myself as well mm. I, I'm listening to you with great fascination and and hearing <clears throat> going back to what you said a little while ago that you never get rid of a stamina you just learn to control it and I mean that's the one thing I know you you know it's obviously a constant battle for you but you manage it very well and I'm thinking that that's almost like an analogy for life and business because many people complain and and really struggle with I don't know change organizational uh lifestyle change whatever it happens to be uh and and that a bit like a stammer is a constant right and you instead of 
pushing against it, you just learn to control it. Um, and, and I guess that's where your experiences come from, as you say, a metaphor for other things. And a lot yes, for... I always say, Sandro, three things. I say, if you accept change, you survive. If you to how to run towards the change in your life, you will succeed. So what advice would you give to uh, budding salespeople uh, based on all of the things that you see in organisations and people, Charles, from all around the world, what advice would you give to budding salespeople or entrepreneurs for making them the very best they can be? And I know that's another fairly wide-scoping question, but just the, the, the individual observations that you've made from working with exceptional teams and people. Yeah, that's... That's, that's, you know, and I hear all this new stuff and there's a lot of great stuff, but I'm old school, Sandro, and I go back to fundamentals. I think the first thing I see out there, I see a lot of people are wonderful talkers, but very few people are great listeners and communication skills, even today with email and text and everything, listening skills, really listening to, to the other person, being, being genuine, authentic, building relationships, um, really challenging yourself in Investing in your personal and professional success, being humble, having integrity, having humility. People tell me, oh, child, these are old-fashioned values, common uh, courtesy, Sandro, and good manners, sir, never go out of style. You're absolutely right. People today... I think the consumer today is very savvy and sophisticated. And they're used to convenience. If you think of Amazon, you can order in the morning, it's there in the afternoon, flying Emirates or whatever. All of us are used to sophistication. So to me, I think when I I read um, all these reviews on restaurants, on airlines, on companies, on all these things. I see what people are crying out for, Sandro. Crying out for out today is human interaction. Showing me you care about me as a consumer, as the individual. And again, is what I always I try and do. And when I see world-class organizations, I see a company who cares, I see a company who's transparent, who's fluid, whose customer service goes right through to every department, and the mission statement, similar to mine, really, really resonates. Mm. It's I've worked a few times for the Fairmont Hotels, wonderful chain of hotels, and their statement is we turn moments into memories for our guests, and they do. Mm. No request is an imposition. They don't even have the word no in their vocabulary. 
sir or madam? That's a super question. I'll have the answer for you in 20 minutes. Should I phone you? Should I send you a text? Yeah. Lot to be learned uh, from those good old-fashioned beliefs. So, Charles, if you've got a book that's been translated in its various guises into 27 languages, it must be good. So tell us about it. So the book is called Success is Not a Spectator Sport, uh, How to Take Action and Achieve More. And the premise of the book is very simple. I mean, I'm a very simple guy, Sandro. It's, you know, in life, I think we have a choice either to be a spectator in life and to be on the sidelines and see how the chips are going to fall and leave it to other people or to be a player, to play the biggest game of your life every day. And instead of waiting out for stuff to happen, you are the catalyst. You are in control of your destiny and you make it happen. And if you fail, if you don't succeed, I believe if you are not failing enough in life, Sandro, you are not succeeding in life. Yeah, very, very well put. So, Charles, you will be disappointed if you fail, but you will be doomed to failure if you don't try. Oh, that's a nice that's a nice line. So how do we find out more about you, Charles, for those listening who want to check you out? Have you got a website, social media presence? I have a website. Yes, you can go to www.cmarcus.com. So C for my first initial, C-M-A-R-C-U-S.com or I'm on Instagram, on Twitter, on LinkedIn, on Facebook. Be uh, very happy um, to connect or if anybody has any questions. That's very kind of you. Thank you. And there'll be a lot of people checking you out for sure. Final question, Charles. Uh, Let's imagine uh, a young person, might be son, daughter, or just somebody you know from in the neighbourhood, comes up to you one day and says, Charles, you are a man with incredible... Uh, all those achievements, uh, incredible tenacity, you've overcome so many of life's challenges, you've got a clear vision for the future, and you help all these amazing people to achieve world-class and exceptional things. What one piece of advice could you give me, out of all the others that you've learned along the way, what one piece of advice could you give me that would set me fair for the rest of my life or for anything I seek to do in business? What What would that single piece of advice be, Charles? Never stop learning, never stop listening, and never take criticism, Sandro, from somebody you would not uh, take advice from in the first place. Ah, that's good. I like that one. Not heard that one before. Okay, Charles, um, very regrettably, 
<laughs> our time is up and uh, oh, but but it has it, but it has been exceptional uh, so many takeaways and uh, i've followed your career and as i said we've at the start of the uh, the podcast today we've kind of gotten to know each other and it's because you are a very very nice man and i don't mean that in a condescending way at all you are a genuinely nice guy who has spent a very long period of time despite his own personal challenges helping other people to be exceptional and to get to world class and i know you do that because i've seen it and heard it so uh on behalf of everyone sandro Sandro, and also even if i'm a manchester city fan i'm okay (laughs) well actually (laughs) i need to back up now and and retract everything i've just said (laughs) um but charles marcus it's been really fabulous having you on the on the show and uh, there'll be a lot of people uh, reaching for their notepads and pens, listening to this over and over and again and taking away uh, more and more of those amazing anecdotes and sound bites that, that you share so freely with people. So on behalf of the many, many, many people listening from nearly 40, I think it's might just about be 40 countries now, thank you very wow. much indeed for joining us on the Sandro Forte podcast. Sandro, thank you so much for the honour and opportunity. I really, really enjoyed it. The pleasure was all ours. Thank you. So thank you for joining us on the Sandro Forte podcast. He is such a lovely and amazing man. And uh, it's it's something that he deals with every single day and shares uh, his passion for life and all of those successes he's achieved along the way with people all over the world. So do check him out. Charles Marcus, great book and his social media presence too. Remember, every week we've got a new guest joining us on the Sandro Forte podcast to share their own unique insights into the world, success, challenges, obstacles, whatever it happens to be. So do keep tuning in. Sandro's podcast, remember, same on all channels. Remember to connect with me, Sandro Forte, except it's the real Sandro Forte on Instagram because somebody stole my name. Uh, but Apart from that, hello at sandrospodcast.com for emails and keep those reviews on iTunes coming too. So with another great guest next week, see you soon. 